comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Solo, Oh, baby. <laughs> That's rocking. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote that. It's called, I Want to Rock Your Body. And then in parentheses, it says, Do the Break of Dawn. That's beautiful. It's like poetry. Episode 339. The moon with the Rebel Base will be in range in 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Every time Catherine revved up the microwave, I pissed my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. I'll be there in 10. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. Tonight's episode: a literal blast. Look here, look. Hey, Bill, Bill, I literally had a Hello, where's my mic? My yeah, I said no, wait, it. Let me finish the story. Look, I'm literally, literally on the edge of my seat yeah. right now. I literally, literally bite out of my sandwich. I'm literally with, sitting on the edge of my seat. You're literally, I was, Bill, I was just sitting there. The, the sandwich was literally on my plate. I mean, li- I'm talking right there. Look, I'm literally it wasn't on my plate. I'm literally drinking literally. a Billy Joel right now. If you want to know what that's all about, listen to last week's episode. Yeah, so we went to go to the movie theater, and that movie with Seth Rogen and the guys was so funny that I literally uh, peed about 20 cc's of urine into my pants and had to sit in it for the rest of the movie. Now, if you were measuring it, then that would be a proper use of literal. It was there's volume. You not could say approximately 20 cc if you're not sure, mm-hmm. but literally, you have to you have to say that. For when it's something that would normally be an exaggeration, okay. But in this time, but this point, it did happen. Uh, so I'm trying to think of an example. I literally drove to work this morning. Okay, it was the craziest thing. Okay, so in that case, I you would just there. say, "I drove to work this morning." You don't have to what, you know, without the literal thing. Without the literal thing, if everything okay. literally, when you tell a story that happens, everything is literal. Right? If, I if literally dogs, just fed my dog like 15 minutes ago. Yeah. Literally. If, if dogs and cats started falling out of the sky, you could say it's literally raining cats and dogs. There right you now. go. Okay. That's a proper use of literal. Okay. So, so I probably shouldn't make a big deal out of the fact that I literally put on underwear this morning then. If it was, was it clean? Was it literally clean? And the front way, it was the front way around too. The front way around. I stopped wearing. I like to wear boxers back backwards because that way you don't have to pull them down. I you stopped, kinda, yeah, I stopped wearing yeah, them backwards. Well, right there. you know, when I'm in. Shut the, your mouth really quick. Shut your mouth. <laughs> okay. Part two of our. I'm not going to continue on then when. Part two of our that, music episode. When I'm this in the episode, I just go ahead and drop my pants to my ankles. This is 339. <laughs> I literally <laughs> like a four year old. When we awesome. left you, we had all finished just discussing our our nineteen eighty ish, eleven, twelve, thirteen year old ish uh coming into our own music experiences. Let's refresh. 
Bill was uh, rock and rolling it with Rush. Indeed. Frank was hamming it up with some Fleetwood Mac, and his friends thought he was a dummy. Mm -hmm. Right? And I discovered black music. Because I wanted to hear uh, another one bites the dust. Queen. This kid on the bus says, listen to K104. You'll hear it. Never heard it on that station. But here we are. An amazing, an amazing touch of serendipity there in your life. Because I'll bet money, the K104 never played that song. I never My guess is that you could have heard it on the Eagle or the Zoo. Yes. Maybe the College Station. But my guess is you never heard on K104. So this kid fed you a line. He did. He thought he was. And it ended up basically uh, changing your your musical life. Yeah, he thought he was playing a trick on me. He really did me a favor. Nice. It's a good thing he didn't say. uh, And that kid's name was Joey Hitler. (laughs) In our trek through our musical history. He was literally a Hitler. We tried to narrow down. That was right. That was yeah, good that usage, was right? Good. Okay, good. Yeah, that was great. Right. That was I'm gonna, I'm gonna note that down. We tried to narrow down our, our uh, experience with music to different time periods, and Bill's up next for his. He chose his next time period. What was that? That time period that really kind of encapsulated a whole new era of your music history. For me, the obvious is you want to go with uh, high school. But for me, there was more change in my listening habits, I guess, uh, probably during my college years. So I went with uh, what for me were my young adult years, um, 20, 22, give or take. Um, Don't you hate it when you're eating pizza and you get a, I know. You get a sliver of... Red pepper up in between your gum oh, and your tooth. I've got plenty of dental floss, and then in the it house burns for some. like minutes. Oh, that's not good. I hate that. I had uh, we went to uh, go see uh, Pacific Rim in 3D at the Dollar Theater on Sunday. Uh, really? On Monday, excuse me, with the kids. Okay. And uh, I got a little tiny piece of pop, a little tiny oh, popcorn shell in between two of my teeth, two of my incisors. Right. And uh, um. It was one of those where I'd, I'd kind of brush it against it with my tongue, and it would bother me, and I realized it was there. And yeah. then it's you know, it's like the telltale heart, you know. Right. It's like the 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 heart beating front of the floorboard. You just you can't stop thinking about it. It becomes a, a real mind worm. Do you uh, do the um? Do you do the sucking technique? Like do you? Uh, I tried everything. Mm-hmm. I tried taking a drink and trying to swish it through that. That mm-hmm. um, my teeth are fairly tight because I practice adequate dental hygiene. So there was no sucking it out. It was in there for the duration. And I finally, all day yesterday, I dealt with it, and it made me insane. And today, I drove to work. As I'm driving to work, I'm thinking, oh, you didn't take care of that, you idiot. So when I got home today, all I could think about in the entire drive home, like 25 minutes worth of drive home, dental floss, dental floss. Dental floss. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't fashion like a. You didn't grab a stick from outside. And I was actually um, today. I was actually doing a bunch of soldering. Uh, I was building audio cables. I built a, a nine pair audio snake. By the way, wow. two reversed. Cool. So seven female, uh, two mm-hmm. male, and then reverse hey, the other hey, end. What you Not bad. You're off time. I know. Oh, I know. The, the you know the solder iron. You got to oh, watch that. it. With that. <laughs> mm, I wish. Um, but yeah, I was literally thinking, literally thinking, or I could unwrap thinking. one of these strands. 
I could unwrap one of these strands and use as dental floss. And I wish I had. I, uh, whenever I get that little popcorn situation or something yeah. caught in my teeth. I didn't mean to send us off on this. No, this won't take long. When, when, I, I do, when I do get it out using the tongue or sucking method, mm-hmm. I mentally, usually, yeah. if I'm alone, I'll do it. But yeah. I will raise my har- arms up in triumph. Yes! Nice. But if I'm not in a place I can do that, I mentally go, <laughs> yes! So if you're alone... It literally happens. It literally happens. If you're with people, it figuratively happens. Yes. Okay. Bill, please That's continue That's an interesting on. delineation there. We'll have to discuss that after You the said show. 22 years old? Roughly 22. College yeah. age? Uh, just out of college. Okay. Young adult. So what, what's, what's and a lot of this is, at that point? If, if we did high school music, uh, I would throw um, uh, If You Love Something, Set Them Free by Sting. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, the entire Listen Like Thieves album, thank you, NXS. Um, of course, I was still listening to Rush at that time. Um, and again, I, d- I don't know if it's one of those where um, I hadn't really discovered uh, Zeppelin uh, yet. That was more a college thing because uh, I went to college, if you know what I mean. Um, but I was into, um, I don't know, it was weird. I I wasn't into all glam rock, but I had kind of started dipping my toes into the waters of uh, slightly uh, 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 fringe glam rock. Uh, I was a big uh, Hanoi Rocks guy at that point. Um, actually would uh, go to record stores and search out like imports and stuff. And it was really odd because that was another thing that, that I thought uh, was one of the driving forces behind uh, this music episode is the whole concept that some music... Like say Red Barchetta again, I still get I still get chills in my forearms. Yeah, you know, I still get goosebumps on my forearms when I hear like the guitar solo from that song. Still, I get them on my five arms. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm just glad I don't get them in the five hole. Um, it's a little hockey joke there for you guys. So uh, hey, uh, by the way, I think uh, Joe Jan said something about a fantasy hockey uh, uh, experience coming up this fall. So you guys uh, get ready for hockey, do your studying, and uh, we'll so make when, it happen. So when you play fantasy, what's hockey, up, Joe? You wear like uh, a robe. No, you just have to wear the you Jason. Have a no, you big wear the beard. You wear the wand. Jason. You wear the Jason mask. That's all you have to do. <laughs> that's it. You have to kill a few neighbors. Back but, to music. But that's that's what, back to music. That's how it goes. Back to music. Literally. Literally. Fantastic. Or you lose your turn. So I'm I'm starting to kind of spread my toes a little bit. Um I still haven't gotten into uh hip hop, uh rap, any of that stuff by that point. Because honestly, there's really uh there's very few outlets. And Norman, um there were not sections of town. I mean you didn't have you didn't have, you know, the white part of town and the Chinese part of town and the Iranian part of town and the black part of town. You didn't have that kind of stuff. Norman was white enough that it was for the most part, really homogenous. You never got to hang out in little Iraq. No, I did not. But honestly, that was one of the things I always kind of prized about growing up in Norman was that there were so was not the fact that there were so few minorities, but the fact that what minorities that there were just went ahead and assimilated and it was just it was just like okay so it was racist it was town. no big deal it was big such such redneck racism going on there yeah um the point being that uh we never got exposed to uh, uh urban type music uh back in those days and i would discover it uh, honestly about this time and and this is one of those where um 
this was my big music period, I guess. This is where I really had, I, I, I had a lot of different interests at this point. Um, because I did start discovering, uh, 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 rap, uh, hip hop, uh, R and B. Uh, honestly, I've always, I don't know if I've discussed on the show, hopefully not. So this is not me beating a dead horse, but, uh, I am not a huge fan of rap. I am a fan of hip hop. I really appreciate the, uh, the, the jazz samples, the syncopated beats. Uh, I like the, uh, the, the, sometimes the, the sing song elements, the voices, uh, I just like the instrumentation. I like the horns. I like the this. I like the that. I like the guitar samples. And, you know, honestly, you know, the, the, the typical rap song is usually a 4-4 beat. And it's, a, it's a, a rapper making a lot of statements, maybe telling you a story or something like that. Hip-hop, it just flows a lot differently. It's just, it, it's, I don't know, it's like jazz versus big band swing or something. I don't know. It's just, it's just, a, it's almost a different animal. You know, there may be the same humans doing the music, but it's a different animal. So anyway, there's definitely um, cooking and you can do different things with the same amount of food. I really, I think I, I want to play a tribe call quest uh, song because Q-tip is my, uh, is my rap, uh, hip hop hero. Uh, he's my fave man. And I, I'll follow this guy forever. He's got it. Not only, uh, Every album uh, up to the last album, I hated the mix on the Love Movement, Tribe Called Quest's uh, fifth album. And um, I own it. Um, I, hardly, I can hardly listen to it because I hate the mix. And I just I, I listen to that album and I think, these guys were at the top of their craft. They knew what they were doing. It's like George Lucas in the Star Wars prequels. You just shake your head and you go, that's exactly what they wanted. That's what they wanted. They were, you know, he was right there. They were right there. You know, he he got the performance he wanted out of out of uh, Hayden Christensen. They got the drum mix that they wanted in the in the mix down session. You know, and, and I just it always kind of blew me away. Anyway, Q Tip's uh, solo albums are amazing. Uh, his second album, uh, which actually came out third, come all the abstract, and especially the Renaissance. I think the Renaissance is one of the strongest um, albums uh, I own. I just think uh, from beginning to end, it's just dang near flawless. Anyway. Um, I didn't go with uh, a tribe called Quest. Um, what I was listening to at that point, um, I had uh, uh, still primarily influenced by the rock and the roll. And actually, I'm sorry, that's not the song I wanted to play. Although this is instrumental, so we can uh, we can play this for a uh, couple of moments while I uh, get to what I really wanted to play. Um, I fell in love again. I like I like the odd music. I like the odd chord changes uh i like um intelligent uh slash byzantine lyrics uh i i i rarely asked a, a a band to just just feed me i don't mind meeting them halfway and trying to figure out what the heck they want um anyway uh so this is one of my Favorite albums of all time. Um, this is actually the first song, Cecilia Ann, off Boss Nova. But the song that... Uh, if I get two songs, I got another one. But this is the one that influences me now in three, two, one.
So who is it? This is the uh, this is Valoria by the Pixies off their album Boss Nova. You heard a few seconds of track one. This is track three. Remind us who's part of the, uh, who makes up the Pixies. Uh, Kim Deal from the Breeders, Frank Black, uh, who was known at that time Black Francis, real name Charles Thompson, by the way. Um, David Lovering on drums, uh, Kim Deal on bass, and uh, the great. Joey Santiago, the swashbuckler. That's my nickname. But if you just listen to the music, I mean, I, I just I can think of no other adjective to describe Joey Santiago's guitaring than swashbuckling. And I, if I heard any Pixies, it was in college, and they, I never, I never listened to them. These guys had me, had me by the neck. For years, they still do, but they're just again part of what I was talking about. Uh, the whole idea behind this uh, show was that there's some music out there that you listen to as a kid that you still love, like the first time you heard it. Yeah. Red Barchetta is one of those songs. This is one of those songs. I can't imagine ever getting tired of this song. And then there's some music you listen to that you know you shake your head and go, "Why did I listen to that?" Yeah. And there's some music that you go. I freaking hate that song. When did I ever love that song? I've got the 45 single. I've got the album, whatever. I've got the cassette tape. I've got the CD. So clearly I like this song at one point. Wow. I love this song. Who are other bands that are similar to the Pixies that you might have heard on the same radio station? Put me on the spot. Um, most of the bands I can think of that uh, kind of uh, steal some of the Pixie spirit are pretty recent bands. Okay. Um, and I don't know if I've ever heard a band on record or on CD, you know, whatever that um, uh, that that does them justice. Now, in concert, uh, I went and saw uh, a band called the Starlight Mints, who are from Norman, just like the Flaming Lips. Um, yay. Um, in concert, I close my eyes. It's like, I feel like I'm at a Pixies concert because the bass is, the, the bass guitar and the drum kit are absolutely changing my heart rhythm. I mean, it just, it was so powerful and it was so, you know, again, not heavy. I mean, my humble opinion, this is heavier than ACDC. What would would this be? What was this style of music considered back then? Probably indie rock. Indie indie rock. When did the term yeah. alternative come uh, into play? I'm thinking that was like early '90s. Oh, when it, that it was around this time. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't have the uh, the what release date was, on uh, Pixies Boss Nova. And, what and year it, was it when you were 22? Uh, that would be uh, 1990. Okay. So, um, 1991, you know, that kind of area, uh, this album came out, uh, before 91, um, their last album, Pixie's last album, Tromplemont came out in 92, I believe. And they've never put out another studio album since. Is and, it fair to say the Pixies were your go-to band at the time? Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Without a doubt. And that was one thing I, I never really, uh, I never turned my, I never turned my back on Rush, but a lot of it was, 
I had heard the Rush albums that I loved so many right. times. That it's just it's a case of where it's not that I I am tired of the music or I don't want to listen to it, but I've heard it so many times that I don't need to keep listening to it. You, you know said what I mean? That, you've said that before, and for the longest time, I had a very hard time understanding what okay. that meant until recently. Really. Um, I've been teased mercilessly okay. about enjoying like this the, is going. about enjoying the band Creed. Okay, <laughs> I'm I'm not embarrassed by it. I've seen it right. two or three times in con- three or four times in concert. Dang, I love that band. I don't know what it is. I just love it. Screw you if you you know. You know, it's just straight ahead rock and roll. I, I, think I guess you can put you can kind of put collective soul in there too. It's just it's just crunchy rock music. And I listened no subtext to those albums over and over and over. And I recently put a Creed album on yeah. in the car, try to listen to it. I don't need to hear it anymore <laughs> okay. because it's always yeah. I can hear it right now. I can hear it in my head. Um, so I finally am starting to understand what that means. Okay. Like, like uh, music is, is should inspire you or pump you up, and there just comes a point sometimes where just the music is just like it's just not doing that for you. I mean, it's not even that; it's just I mean, you just want to put it away for a little while. I mean, it's like it's, it's like just cooking it, your favorite food, and then suddenly it's just like you know what? I don't want to eat that anymore, and you put it aside. You don't make it for a couple months. Well, I think anything. what I'm trying to say is that it's just you've listened to it so long, and you've never stopped liking it, but it's just basically becomes part of your DNA. Yeah. You know, it's almost part of who you are. And, and, you know, your relationship is not something that, you know, I mean, it's there whether you need it or not. You know, I mean, it's, there's, you know, it there, loves you, you love it, and, you know, you can be comfortable uh, sitting in silence with each other. Yeah. You know, there's, you don't, a, there's a handful of bands that are like that for me now. Okay. Like, the first three albums that you two put out, yeah, love them dearly. Okay, I really don't need to listen to them anymore. Yeah, because I wore them out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, definitely. So definitely. no, I, I get it. I really do. Yeah, um, I want to give uh, honorable mention during this uh, during this time to uh, uh, the Cult Love and the Cult Electric, two of the uh, two of the greatest stinking albums ever. Which one put had seashells? Seashells? Seashells by love. the seashore. That's love. Okay, and that. I, tune, I, I was on a full sale in 1990, 1991. I found an import version of that. It was actually uh, on 480 Records, uh, printed in France. And it wow. had two bonus cuts on it and a lyric sheet, which the uh, uh, the American release, uh, released in the Sire label, uh, had a clear plastic sleeve with the record, and you did not get a lyric sheet. And so I went, score! Now, the two, uh, the two extra songs are both clearly B-side outtakes. Sure. They're not great songs, but just the whole idea. And, yeah, I would love to play Peace Dog or Electric Ocean or something like that for you guys, a little devil. Holy cow. The, <laughs> man, <laughs> the Cult Electric. <laughs> good, gosh, that's a great song. 1987. Um, uh, and... Uh, if I was to uh, play another song, though, I, I had uh, another song um, uh, also roughly around the 1991-1992 area. Um, I'd say I was uh, very, 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 very heavily into... Uh, may I at least throw a few seconds down this song? So we got four songs. So I got I got two songs from one of these bands. I had a fourth song, too. I added a fourth song to mine. Too. All right. Well, then you're going to recognize this, I think, if it plays. 
Oh, yeah. First time I heard this, Bill introduced me to it. I was like, yeah, I can deal with that. <laughs> Helmet! Helmet. And you want to talk about hook rock. Oh, yeah. It's called Unsung. Yes. Very, very good tune. Especially driving <gasps> down the highway. <laughs> it's good driving music. Oh, oh, yeah. That just cleared my sinuses out. It's oh. dangerous to drive oh. that. That makes me that happy. That song, actually. But man, Helmet and Pantera and the Pixies and uh, uh, I was getting into a Tribe Called Quest and uh, the Tribe Called Quest would be the outlier there. You can see where most of my music was uh, um, very, very heavy man, very rock oriented. Okay. What's next, Frank? Uh, I'll do two as well, but I'll keep the first one very brief because I added this very last second. This is 1986. Okay. Uh, a little historical background. The so you're about 18 or so? Oof. I'm 18. Okay. Senior in high school. Um, historically, the Voyager 2 space probe makes its first pass by Uranus. Massive rings of debris are found around Uranus. And right. that year, a record number of Uranus jokes are made. <laughs> okay. But the reason why I picked this song is it's not because... I'm, I'm sorry, is that funny? Was, are you, are you stand-up comic? Is that what you do now? Hey, now! This song, I'm not going to subject you to a now whole He told bunch. us in pre-show that you're going to make a, 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 a mud reference. A mud reference? I did? Yeah. There's a lot of mud, a lot of flying mud around Uranus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes! That's awesome! Okay. So the reason why I'm bringing up this song was uh, I looked up 1986. I was looking at the list of songs. And this song comes up because I remember dancing at a school dance with Lisa. Loeb? No, hold on. Lisa. I can't remember her last name, but her first name was Lisa. Okay. And we had this mild flirtation. We knew we were never boyfriend girlfriend, but we were this was a slow dance song. And she started crying during this song. And it was wow. one of those little Whoa. emotional type of connections. Did you ever that we find make. out why? Whoa. The song she was moved by it. Okay. And you, you may roll your eyes when you hear this, okay? But this was just a moment we shared. <laughs> No way. Yes way. School dance. Lisa, what was her last name? I remember she wore a purple dress. And we were doing the slow dancing thing. Is that Dionne Warwick? Dionne Warwick. That is so Microphone Warwick. Dionne Warwick, um, the blind guy, the blind black guy who played Stevie Wonder. (laughs) It was either him or Ray Charles. (laughs) One of the two. And Elton John. But anyway, that was just a memory that kind of came up. That was a good tune, man. Yeah. I remember that, just dancing with Lisa. I mean, and you hear references to that to this day. You know, hey, that's what friends are for, man. Yeah. yeah. That's what friends are for. But now I'm going to now I'm gonna jump ahead. Now I'm going to jump ahead to 1989. I am 21. I am of legal drinking age. Yeah. And here's, here's the blurb I wrote for it. The year is 1989. Yanks owner George Steinbrenner meets Pope John Paul II for some reason. 
Ollie North makes regular appearances on TV for some reason. And SNL legend Victoria Jackson was burning up the stage every Saturday night with her mild and forgettable humor. <laughs> I liked Victoria Jackson. She was, she was cute and fun yeah. to watch. But this song, uh, a couple reasons why I like it. I'll get into it. But uh, this is a song I picked for being 21. Wow. Oh, dude. This is, uh, has to do with Peter Buck. Yeah. I told the story earlier about how I met, I kind of walked, R.E.M. was playing in San Antonio. Okay. I got there early for the concert. I was just kind of wandering around. The back door was open to the, uh, uh, to the Coliseum. I kind of walked in, I'm walking around, and there's a dress, there's two arrows, one pointing to the opening day and one opening to R.E.M. I go to the R.E.M. side. Peter Buck's just kind of sitting in his dressing room hanging out. And we talked for a little while. And then I kind of, Got on his nerves and he made me leave. Oh no. I saw this concert in 1989 with my future wife, but I didn't know it at the time. Uh Okay. And uh, I was supposed to go with somebody else and they couldn't go. And we were just friends at that point. I said, hey, I got this extra ticket. You want to go? And so anyway, we went. But anyway, when they, before they started this song, he goes, Michael Stipe goes, and now we're going to play the stupidest song ever yes. written by a human being. Yes. He said that at the, at the same show, too. Yep. He said the exact same thing. The whole place, it was an encore, too. It's catchy, already left, though, man. They came back. Yeah. I, if you remember the video, it was four people dancing. Yep. And they had this repetitive dance. We kept thinking that there was some type of meaning behind this song or something. But it is just a very silly, fun song that everybody at that time is just love. It's got the hook, man. It's got the hook. And uh, I was standing, I do remember this, I was standing next to Michelle Olivo at that concert. We went as a group of friends, and that's when I first kind of noticed her as not a bad-looking girl. R.E.M. The trees would be falling. This is on the album uh, Green. Yeah. With Pop Song 89. That's and, right. Uh, uh, Orange Crush. Orange Crush. That's great a great song. album. Mm-hmm. Great album. A couple of ukulele songs on there, too. <laughs> really good. This was big in my college days, too. Yeah. And this song was, it was just silly, and you just kept wondering what... Is there something that I'm missing? Yeah. There wasn't. No. It was just, it was just what it was, a pop song. Yeah, it definitely was a... You heard this all over the dorm at North Texas. Yeah. You know, in the hallway and stuff. And I'm watching the video while we're talking to you, and there's a bunch of random shots, and, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but dang, it's just fun to watch. And we kept thinking, what does this video mean? Does it mean something? It doesn't mean anything. I know. Just like you said. But it was fun to try to interpret. Oh, there's Peter Buck. And Michael Stipe with his long hair. And... I like that song. I really so, like old R.E.M. stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's, that's that... 
Golly, I guess, I mean, CDs were still pretty prevalent, but CDs were still kind of a new thing. You were buying CDs in, in, the, in those long envelopes. Remember, they, weren't, they didn't come in the box. They come in those, those right. step-proof. They were like a foot tall. Yeah. Yeah, still in the cardboard yeah. uh, package. You know, you know why they did that? So right, <laughs> steal them. Well, no, no. They did that because um, they're making the transition from records to CDs. Uh-huh. And if you put a CD uh, next to a record... You couldn't see the CD. The record, the record was, you know, what ten inches tall or whatever the record is. I don't know tape measure or record on me right now, but those cardboard boxes were to put it at the same height visually ah. as the records. Huh. Um, just so, you know, you would look across the store and it'd be a nice, clean look. You know, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't until you noticed that they cleared all the records out of the stores that they started just putting the CDs in their nude in only I their remember, jewel cases. I remember when that was a big thing about how they were getting rid of that extra packaging. Yeah. yeah. And people were like upset well, about and, it. And a lot of it too was the fact that, you know, you had this big you had what I really thought was kind of a big deal where you've gone from um albums which provided the opportunity to to for the band to not just make a musical statement to but to make an artistic statement with their with the cover with the jacket of the album i mean you could have a double you know you could have Front a fold back. well you could open it up and sure. you'd have you know you'd have a double spread in the middle but you know there were a lot of artists who were reasonably well known just for their album artwork sure the the guy i'm trying to I'm blanking on the guy that did all the yes albums um uh hugh syme did uh uh uh, many of the uh, the Rush albums. He did Hemispheres and Farewell to Kings and Permanent Waves and Moving Pictures and, um, but you had a, uh, uh, the the LP <clears throat> was a legitimate art form. I mean, to this day, you can go into a store and you can buy, you know, a basically a poster frame for an album. You can, you know, you can put an album up on your wall as a piece of art. It is a piece of art. I have and, several framed at my. And at my there house. you go. And when you uh, uh, when you go down to the CD, all of a sudden you you reduce the size to about a quarter of what it used to be, mm-hmm. and you can shrink the artwork down, but it's not the same, Mm-mm. and it has never been the same since then. And at least on those cardboard, uh, those tall cardboard inserts. You could still have some semblance of artwork. You would notice that the artwork would be slightly different. It'd be it would be the image, but it'd be cropped differently or whatever. And you still had it was like album artwork's last dying gasp before they um, uh, before basically album art before album art stopped being very important. I I've recently started collecting. We're peaking a little. Bring it down just a little bit. Just a little bit. All right. All right. I, I recently started collecting old albums, a lot of it for artwork, a lot of it for yeah. nostalgia, but um, I like to frame some of that old stuff. I mean, it's like, I, I think um, it takes someone who's a real pop culture, Andy Warhol type, or it takes a geek. Um, but I could absolutely see having my house, you know, covered in albums and comic books, mm-hmm. you know? A friend of mine, he, I mean, uh, he, he, he collects LPs. And he was telling me how he has, you know, he has a list of things he's always looking for when he goes to the thrift stores. Yeah. And he found one of them, which was the soundtrack to uh, Thank God It's Friday. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> and he, wow. Uh, he all, you know, he has like, like, you know, probably 50 albums he wants, but he finally found it. He got it at the Goodwill, bought it, left the store. When he got home, it was missing. He looked in his car, wasn't there, went back to the store. They were like, it's not here. So he had it. 
and then he lost it. Crazy. Yeah. How do you do that? I don't know. He he scratched his head, and it's just all he can think of. He must have left it, and that the person after him just took it because <laughs> the other guy forgot it. <laughs> wow. That sucks. That idiot paid for it. I'm good. Wow. Okay, what do you got, Brad? Well, I mentioned earlier the Beastie Boys in uh, 1986. Uh, a couple of years before that, um, U2 became a known quantity, mainly because of their uh, song um, "In the Name of Pride, in the Name of Love." Okay, from Radio. the Unforgettable Fire See. album. Well, I knew of it. But then, 1987, The Joshua Tree comes out. Changed my life forever. Forever. It's a good album. Yeah. It's, it, was on one of my, it was on my top six album list in, on the shows that we did. So this opened up a whole new horizon for me as far as music goes. What I, at the time, probably thinking back, would refer to as alternative music. Yeah, it wasn't straight um, rock and roll, and it wasn't top forty stuff like um, the Police, The Cure, REM. Eventually, into stuff like Primus, just different odd stuff that you might not hear on a top forty station. You'd hear some of that REM, obviously, and some on top forty. The Cure was this British band, you know, some crazy stuff. And this is about... I See, I graduated from high school in 1987. And early 1987 probably is when I first picked up the bass guitar. Uh, because my friend Chris um, asked me to sing for the talent show because he knew I could sing. And he says, come over to my house. We'll, um, we're going to play a couple of songs. We want you to sing. I got there. The bass player never showed up. So I said, teach me the bass line. Okay. It was Keep Your Hands to Yourself by the Georgia Satellites. Okay. Yeah. I got a little change in my pocket going yeah. jing-a-ling-a-ling. Yeah, that's right. So okay. I, I played that and sang, and that started my love affair with the bass guitar. So at this point, anything that I'm listening to, I'm listening for the bass line. I learned to play the bass by playing along to U2 albums, to REM albums, to The Cure, and... To a band called The Call. And yes. this, oh, yeah. this album, uh, Reconciled, came out in 1986. I first came to the attention of it. A friend of mine, uh, do you remember those Columbia House record and tape monthly? Like uh, oh, yeah. they send you one each month, you know? Yeah. He was doing that. He says, Brad, I got a, I got a tape from the Columbia House or whatever because I wanted to, I just started going through looking for something different and I wanted to. To, um, I was looking for bands that I can't remember the word he described, but it was something along the lines of I was looking for alternative music or whatever. Okay. That word wasn't in fashion at the time. Whatever he said, and he said I picked this up called The Call, and you got to listen to it, and it was awesome. It was reconciled. It was the album? You're mostly familiar with the song called I Still Believe. Yes. And then in parentheses, great design. You're probably more familiar with the really horrible awful cover version that was in Kiefer Sutherland's movie, The Lost Boys. There was a scene on the beach at okay. night. There was a big, burly, yeah. w uh, weightlifter, bodybuilder type guy with a with a body like a yield sign. 
He was greased up, oiled, and he was playing this horrible saxophone when he wasn't singing. Oh, no. That cover version, most people have heard more than the original. <laughs> but the bass player for the call, Michael Bean, God rest his soul, he died three, four years ago. Okay. Uh, sadly, unfortunately. He was a huge influence along with Adam Clayton from U2, uh, Simon Gallup from The Call, Mike Mills from uh, um, Not The Call, The Cure, Sting, obviously, from The Police, Mike Mills from R.E.M., later in the early 90s, Les Claypool from Primus. I still can't play like, nobody can play like Les Claypool. But the point is, the bass really became a part of me, and part of what was responsible was this band, The Call, who unfortunately had some really hard times with their record label, Electra Records. They really got screwed out of a lot of promotion, a lot of airplay. I really think they could have been something a yeah. lot bigger than they were because they were talented. It was four guys in this band. They were very talented. Well, they put out uh, they put out uh, half dozen albums between eighty two and ninety, and then uh, from between ninety and two thousand, it looks like they had one album that they put out in ninety seven, and then they had three best, they had two best ofs and a live. Um, Most people are probably familiar with Let the Day Begin. Yeah, I love that song. Yeah, it's a great tune. They also, Fantastic album. Yeah, The Walls Came Down, That uh, was their Everywhere first, I Go, yeah. I Still Believe, Let the Day Begin. Oklahoma. Um, yeah. Everywhere and I, I always, Go and Oklahoma are, are and, from that Reconciled album. Yeah, and I, I used to have that Reconciled album. I still may, but but for obvious reasons, I was always, my my eyebrow would do the Spock uh, yeah, you know, every time I'd hear that song Oklahoma, it's like really singing about us. In addition, which to, is weird because they're a bunch of California kids from Santa Cruz. Yeah, yeah. In addition to the CD, the couple of CDs I have, I also have two copies of Reconciled on vinyl that I recently got within the last year. Nice. Yeah. Cool album cover of this. What if I've still got this mine. baby sitting in a big leather yeah. <laughs> satchel or whatever? But anyway, it's, it's like it's kind of a pink violet fuchsia monochrome ish. It was kind of. it was more blue. Okay. But yeah, it, yeah. it was a weird uh, hue. Yes. Here's the song. That bass just grabbed me. I was like, what is that sound? I love the guy's voice. It's so powerful and, and it's a deep voice. It was like a baritone for sure. And there were a lot of bands in this era that I would kind of like to go back and listen to again to see if it still holds up. Because there were there were groups like uh, one I remember uh, called the Models. There were a bunch of Australian uh, bands that sound like this. Yeah, uh, early Midnight Oil yeah. uh, is reminiscent of this. Yep. Um, I just I don't even know how to describe it. It's just kind of big sky music. Yeah. Yeah. And stuff like I everywhere I go and yeah. And Oklahoma, they were a little more rocky for better, you yeah. know, hard driving yes. for better, uh, for lack of a better way to say it. But there was just something about this. And then that dadgum movie pretty much almost ruined the song for me. You know, um, that big burly guy with the greased up torso. And who yeah. directed that? I don't remember. Joel Schumacher. Did he really? Yeah. Well, that explains why the guy was greased up topless. Oh. They had a. Uh, Jim Goodwin was their keyboard player. A lot of their songs were heavy on keyboards. Okay. You know, uh, big airy sounds. And that was just, again, that was a product of the times there. Yeah. But there, I played along with 
The Call's records as much as I did U2's records and The Police. I just love this song so much. This, uh, uh, I got Luckily, I got to see them three or four times in concert before he passed. If you dug this, I would also suggest going out and uh, buying uh, Big Country. Yeah, there's some good stuff. Yeah, I mean, honestly, no, the, the band Big Country was... Uh, Again, kind of that similar kind of what I call big sky music, where it's mm-hmm. just kind of no. I, I don't know. I, I wish I, I could it. describe it in a more specific manner. The call was around before 1986, but this was the song that kind of brought them to the forefront. You yeah. know, college stations were was playing. The walls came down. Yes. Na, 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 oh yeah. Na, yeah. So. Oh yeah. But this was you know this along with the the Lost Boys soundtrack really brought this out. So. You know, I, I still listen to this album, and like I said, it was on my top six list, this album, Reconciled, and um, I just love the guy's voice. It just moves me so much. Anyway, that's what started my my uh, fan of the alternative stuff that, you know, eventually wound its way to Incubus in uh, 1995, 96, when their Make Yourself album came out. That was on my top six list yep. also. And uh, to this day, I still listen to all these bands. I haven't listened to REM a whole lot lately, but, but um, you know, Police, The Cure, later U2. Like I said, I listened to the first three albums, Boy, October, and War, over and over. Yeah. I could listen to the Joshua Tree every week and not get sick of it. I think, um, I think my favorite U2 album is uh, my favorite live album of all time, Under a Blood Red Sky. That's a great one. The, the thing about that album that to this day just kind of gives me heebie-jeebies is because of the great mix, and it always used to, it drove me insane to listen to the way they would mix uh, live albums in the 70s up into the 80s. Uh, the, the biggest offender of all time, in my humble opinion, is Rush's Exit Stage Left. They they pot up a little tiny bit of applause in between songs. Other than that, you might as well be listening to the record. Yeah, I mean you want the, the studio record. Yeah, it drives me insane. The whole point of a live album is to feel like you're down there in the middle of it, and the mix and under a blood red sky. I swear to God, it's like in Zuccarelli holophonic or something like that. It feels if you've got headphones on or whatever, it feels like you're twenty rows back center on the floor and it feels like you've got people all the way around you and you can almost yeah. see bono sweating on the bodyguards i also think a it's, lot of that it's the most oppressive live mix a lot of that is owed to the structure of the music itself you know it's not yeah. it's not layered you had one guitar one bass and drums so there was room to breathe and you could hear you could get that audience up in the mix and yeah. and not be not either cover the music or be smothered by mm-hmm. it. So, anyway, this is it. The call. I still believe. Yeah. In parentheses. Great design. It's and, like uh, it brings back. I want to rock your body, and then in parentheses until the, until break, the break of, break dawn. of dawn. Right. <laughs> hey, pot this up real quick. I wonder if this is what I think it is. Yeah. That's not under a blood red sky. This is this is I will follow off under blood red sky. No, it's not. I could guarantee you it's not. Well, it's it's a live version. Okay? It's a live version, but it's not the one off of I don't think I have Under a Blood Red Sky on the computer right now. This is close as I can get. It's, it's a live version, yes, but it I listen, and that's another one I listened to and played along with okay. over and over. I'm sorry to raise my voice at you, but... <laughs> All right. No. All right. 
Where are we going next with you? Hmm? Our final stop. This yeah. is the final it's round. Final stop. This is. I think it's the uh, it's the Prince song off the uh, Batman soundtrack. Yeah. About next. <laughs> Batman Two. Is that not it? Batman Returns. Is that not it. Yes. Not it. The one with Michael Keaton in it. And Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. All right. Well, um, as we moved uh, into the mid upper nineties, mid late upper nineties. Um, I, again, you know, as we've said before, I, I never really dropped, uh, any of the bands I've been listening to. Right, I still enjoyed. Thing. Yeah. That's exactly. You're, you're adding to it. Exactly. Yeah. That was your next, it was your big yeah. shift. You kept the old stuff, but you just added layers to your It's the classic, it's the classic line about, uh, how, um, you know, you have, you have a second kid and your first kid says, mommy, you're not going to be able to love me as much because there's two of us now. And you go, honey. Honey, your pie slice of love isn't getting smaller. The pie gets bigger. Exactly. You know? So it's a bigger pie. Oh, you know, it's a bigger, I want dessert. It's a bigger a sandbox that we're playing in. Uh, we do have some lovely pizza over there. But as uh, we moved into... Um, pizza pie. I, yeah. Um, I'd, always, um, uh, I'd always enjoyed uh, a lot of... Um, uh, again, never country and western, but I enjoyed a lot of other peripheral uh, genres of music. I could listen to uh, the romantic... Uh, period of uh, what you would consider classical music, your uh, Tchaikovsky, your Mahler, uh, uh, guys like that. Uh, Beethoven's uh, final ninth symphony, Ode to That's Joy, interesting because is I, considered to, romantic. To this day, I can't listen to that stuff. Um, and I wish I could. I, just, I, I appreciated the... Uh, uh, so, well, I wasn't in orchestra, I was in band, but I, I appreciate the the dynamic of a huge number of people you know, pulling together sure. three, three, to, four, to do five, this thing. Six, yes. seven years, viola. No kidding. Yeah. Very good. You played the viola for seven years? Played the viola for seven years. Do you I still a... remember how? Yeah, I'm sure if I picked one up, it'd take me a moment, but I could probably... Yeah. Could probably... Never knew that about you. I was into hot sax. Mm, really? I, I had sax all the time. <laughs> was it... Was it um, what, did, did you have a little? Did you? Was it just a little sax, or was it a big sax? It was. was it? Uh, it was. It was um, medium sized sax. Okay, An I alto. Played, I played the alto. Alto sax. Never played the soprano. No. Didn't do that. Mm. Nor did I play the tenor. Okay. Because let's face it, the alto is uh, just as good, and it's uh, a lot easier to carry. Yeah. Yeah. So unless you are, um, um, Unless you're, oh my God, I'm blanking on that that idiot's name, um, the dude from St. Elmo's Fire, uh, Rob Lowe. Thank you. Yes. Unless you're Rob Lowe from St. Elmo's Fire, you don't need to play the uh, tenor uh, sax. Okay. Uh, uh, or if you're doing the uh, uh, David Bowie's, uh, we get it. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Move on. <laughs> All right. So uh, about Shut this, up for a second. <laughs> about this point, I, I'm getting, I'm re-getting into. I've always preferred complicated, complex music, um, and I've always. Uh, tried to enjoy jazz but i've never really truly gotten into it. i mean i i'm you know i own some miles davis albums and a couple of them, but i never made an attempt to really get into it um until 95 it was late 95 i was in san francisco Kenny G. <laughs> <laughs> you suck that was a soprano sax by the way and by the way Kenny G, in case you're listening, hey, play it out the front of your mouth, you weirdo. He 
he always held the saxophone. He always did the stupid soprano sax. It's That's a his golden. That's his golden clarinet. That's it shouldn't even thing. be called a saxophone. Okay. That's his thing. He holds it at the side of his mouth like he's smoking a cigar or something. And just like, well, what is that? What is that? It goes at the front of your mouth. He literally the alto was playing the music side on the side. Mouth. Yeah. He was playing music out of one side of his mouth. Okay. It's the most amazing dang thing. There you go. But um, I, uh, uh, we were out in San Francisco. Um, it was the weekend. Maybe it was early 96. We were at... Uh, um, uh, we were out there for an Oracle uh, thing back mm-hmm. when they used to contract with their company, oh, yep. and they were nice enough to bring me out for one of their conferences. So myself and the um, uh, the uh, the girlfriend um, at the time, um, almost fiance, uh, would be uh, my eventual wife. Okay, um, we were out there, and it was the weekend that the Virgin Megastore opened on Market Street, oh, in San yeah? Francisco. <laughs> And so we went. It was amazing. It was like three stories tall. There was like a juice bar, kind of Jamba Juice, Starbucks-like thing up on top. Hmm. Now, they knew what Starbucks was on the West Coast, but we never heard of it You yeah. know, in the, in the mid-90s here in the, the great uh, Midwest, right. or the great Southwest. So it was a new thing. I picked up an album out there called This Is Acid Jazz. Okay. And the first song I ever heard was a remix of a Chemical Brothers song, which to this day gives me chills. But that ended up kind of like you're talking about your journey, how one thing kind of stair step to sure. another stepping stones, you yeah. know, from one place to another, um, that ended up, um, I started uh, appreciating more, uh, electronic dancey kind of music, um, which, um, which ended up leading me to, um, the great and powerful band, uh, Jamiroquai. There you go. And, uh, let me go ahead and, um, okay. This is sound full. Good. Let me go ahead and blow your mind with this little ditty. On W-W-H-H-W-L-O-D. That's right, all your hits of yesterday, today, and tomorrow on uh, W-H-H-W. I like We'd that. like to uh, welcome you to the show this morning. It's a wonderful 83 degrees, temperature's falling. Yeah, the bass player in me loves this band. Oh, my God. Very nice. What I love about these you guys... You can't listen to Jamiroquai and not move. These guys are so good. I mean, they're just... They're such amazing musicians. And J.K., the lead singer, writer of the band's music, he... I cannot think of another band... I'm sure there's another one out there, but I cannot think of another band that has such immaculate arrangements. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, they're... And this is their one of their biggest hits. Uh, this was out in the mid '90s when I'm referencing this. This came off the uh, the seminal album "Traveling Without Moving." It's what really kind of broke them. And their last couple albums, um, I still to this day I love the album that came out. Uh, was it last year in 2011? Last year, I think. Rock Dust Light Star, mm-hmm. amazing album. They kind of Jamiroquai will kind of vacillate from one to the other. They'll their first albums were. Not earthy, but almost hippie-ish. Um, they still had the dance beat, but the pace, uh, the the BPMs, the beats per minute, weren't quite as high, and it was still kind of hippie rock. Um, then, about this time, with Cosmic Girl, they realized that man, if I just cut a freaking dance song together, sure. 
It's going to get people moving. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. I mean, this is a great song. Um, but some of the so some of their albums uh, have a much more electronic vibe, a much more dancey vibe. Mm-hmm. Like the album Synchronized has got the song Canned Heat on it, which was in Napoleon, Napoleon Dynamite. That's where I cetera, first heard of, yeah. of Jamiroquai. Um, that uh, that album came out after this one, okay. And that album is very heavy on the synthesizers and the, just the dance beats in general. Um, and uh, but by the time they've gotten their last album, Rock Dust Light Star, they're kind of swinging back to the uh, spectrum. Their uh, their last album was very organic sounding. Lots of guitars, a trap kit, yep, you know that kind of thing. Uh, it it's not samples so much, and it's not uh, synthesizers and 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 whatnots, drum machines and all that. Um, and uh, but there's been a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people have been run through the uh, the band Jamiroquai. Uh I don't know if that's because J.K. is a uh, is is a, a hard master, hmm. or um, if it's just the way it goes. But uh, like an Alan Parsons, there is a la- possibly there is a laundry list of guys that have been that have run through the band. They, I mean, they've got the current. There's uh, nine current members. Uh, the classic lineup from '95 to '97, which this came from. Has counting very quickly has twelve members. Well, in the classic lineup and former members, there's like over fifteen of them. It's quite possible that the people didn't stay long because yeah, playing music of this caliber is literally exhausting. It could be. I, I mean, I can imagine like playing a whole night of this and yeah. just be worn out. I think that uh, I think J.K. Um, is a certifiable genius. I've told the story before, so I'll make it real quick. Um, he got to start. Um, uh, the band that, that kind of got me, the last stepping stone between This Is Acid Jazz uh, and this album was, oh, I need to hit the stop button or something. Um, unless you got me potted down. I did, I potted you down. Okay, thanks. Um, uh, the brand new heavies. Yeah. Were awesome. Uh, they're British. They're this kind of electro-funk, same kind of uh, thing. Uh, they had um, uh, an album called Brother Sister, which had a couple of big hits off it. Uh, well, in the same way that Jamiroquai's had a couple of big hits like Cosmic Girl. You know, but it's fringe hits. Um, they, uh, their lead singer left, a, a lady. He tried out for the band. They said, uh, no thanks. They went with another lady. And he said, okay, I want to be the lead singer and band member of the brand new heavies. That's what that's what my goal was. Now I'm gonna have to start my own band. That became Jamiroquai. The rest cool. is history. Thank you, Jeebus. Because the brand new heavies are still great, and we would never have had Jamiroquai if they had said yes. So, thank you, brand new heavies, for rejecting my man J.K. Sometimes the best things come out of big disappointments. I know. I mean, they always and I hate that the the whole thing that things happen for a reason, man. Big it's like things in, have small beginnings. You know what? Ooh, that's really eerie. I think that in retrospect you can say that, but at the time sure. it sucks. Oh yeah, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like oh, why is this happening to me? I know. It's yeah, I'm like, sure there were a lot of Chris Cornell fans that went, "He's leaving Soundgarden." Yeah. Ah, and then Audio Slave came around. And they were like, "Okay, I'm all right with this." You know, stuff like that. And then Soundgarden put out another album last mm. year. Everything was all right again. Pretty good album, by the way. Yeah, Soundgarden uh, was definitely on my uh, short list um, back in the uh, early, mid, late 90s, too. Frank, where are we ending your musical journey? Okay. So I took it to 2007, and uh, that's when the show started, Half Hour Wasted. Now, I struggled a little bit with this part because, um, 
like you said, you you have this history of music underneath you. Okay. And so you're looking for new music, and you're looking for things that kind of interest you and different and expanding your horizons. <clears throat> and so I was looking at the list of albums that came out that year, mm-hmm. and I didn't really see anything that, like, sparked me. Like, I was just... I did find one with one song on it that I that I will play, but the best I can think of it, 2007, I must have been doing a lot of singles at that time. Okay. Just downloading just... Just songs that I like, not whole albums. Uh, this is one that kind of came up, and it's going to seem a little... I had a hard time Amanda finding... says, eating a high-protein diet. I had a hard time, while, while wow. we're covering up the commercial, <laughs> I had a hard time finding music from 2007, and... There have plenty. There have been plenty of dark periods in in you know in music. I mean the the music industry kind of ebbs and flows too. But well, uh, I, I don't think it was I, a I need dark to find like a list of albums that came out in two thousand seven because there had to have been one that I liked. No, there, I mean there were albums, but I, I kept looking for albums that spoke to me or, or I had a good memory okay. with or stuff. That that's how I was measuring all this. What was the memory that went with that music that binds me to it? This particular song I'm about to play. I just remember it must have been summer and I was goofing off with friends. I remember driving in a car listening to this and we were all singing it. Okay. Ready? Hold on. Of course. Absolutely. Girlfriend. This song means nothing, but it is fun. That's not the song that I I really want to connect. This one caught my eye. I like that song. Yeah, it's a fun song. The song I ended up deciding on was from Fountains of Wayne. Okay. The album that came out that year was Traffic and Weather. And the particular song, it's just one of the cuts off the album. It's not, it's not a big hit, but I really like this song. It's called New Routine. And it's a story song, too. Okay. And it's a story where... You have these two men meeting leads to one story, makes another story, makes another story, comes back to the guys. Okay. Was this the album that had Stacy's mom on it? No. Okay. This was after that. Okay. Uh, it's a lot of songs you've probably never heard of, but if you like Fountains of Wayne, you're going to like this album. And, you know, I like them. Did this come out in 2007? 2007. Okay. It's just a story about all these people that meet Go separate ways, then they meet new people, go separate ways. Did you buy this album? Yes, I did. Because it was Fountains of Wayne. Yeah. Did you like the Stacy's Mom song? Yeah, I mean, that's what turned me on to. Fountains One of the greatest of videos ever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the video itself is fantastic. I like this. And this will, the hook's going to come up here in the front. So this song doesn't necessarily have a memory for me, but this was the song. But this was the album that I was listening to. Here's the hook. I like that. Yeah. Again. Fun song. I usually lean towards towards the fun song. Mm-hmm. Um, you do. You like. Yeah. I like pop, positive, happy. Yeah, you have a. I don't know the best way to say it, but you have a. Odd is not the word I'm looking for. 
Weird is not the word I'm looking for. Um, eclectic? Eclectic, I think, would be a really good word. You have an eclectic taste in music. I like to, I like to spread myself out. Yeah, you've introduced me to some stuff that I never would have given a, a second chance on. You know, like fun. Yeah. When you gave us that album, I was I just fell in love with it. I never would have. I'm seeing him next week too. Are you really? Yeah, they're going to be at Verizon. Very cool. Yeah. Um, fun with a period, man. Yeah. I'm looking through uh, Wikipedia's list of albums released in 2007. There, I mean, it, and there's not one. I, I'm halfway through the list. There's not one album which I consider essential. There's a few bands I recognize. But uh, number one, did you realize that Iggy Pop and the Stooges released an album in 2007? I, I did, did because I, I probably didn't. looked at that same yeah, list. when we were okay. researching it. <laughs> Can I just move right into mine? Yeah, do yours. Yeah, About, please. you know, um, 2007 is when we started Half Hour Wasted. So yeah. I looked at that list and I started to think what I started to try to figure out what albums came out that year, maybe in 2006 that I was still enjoying. What was I really into at the time? Now, I'd li- I would just like to bridge the gap by saying, in the interim between, you know, discovering the alternative music, you know, discovering Incubus in, in 1996, I also, in the time, in the last 10 years especially, I've learned to appreciate the genres of music that I wasn't really exposed to or didn't participate in, okay. like classic rock, ACDC, some Led Zeppelin, Chase. Um, old Chicago, old... Uh, Oh, shoot. I'm drawing a blank. Completely drawing a blank on my name. Our buddy Lawson gave me a um, a CD full of... Two CDs, actually, full of 70s hits. <laughs> oh, cool. Oh, my gosh. There's some great music that came out of the 70s that I knew, but I had maybe had heard on the radio or whatever. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, a quick aside. Yeah. There's a great station here in town, high school station, that plays nothing but 70s music. Really? Uh, 88.5 out of Mesquite. The Mesquite, yeah. And, cool. Uh, it's and a low power station. Yeah, you all they might not be able to get it. Might not get it out in your parts. You'll be able to leave it when you leave here. Eight eight five. Nothing but seventies. That's cool. It is, anyway, it's really, it is really cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, I started looking at that list in nineteen ninety six. Oh well. Some, okay, some of the albums that came out that were bands that I had become a fan of. Um, you know, years before. Maroon Five, their second album came out. Oh yeah, Make, uh, it w- it won't be soon before long. I think was the name of the album. You know, they had a big hit a couple of years before with their songs about Jane mm-hmm. album. Um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers have always been since college. They've been a staple in my listening. They came out with Stadium Arcadium that year. Okay. Uh, Les Claypool came out with a solo album, Les Claypool of Primus. Nice. Uh, called Of Wales and Woe, and I'll buy anything that has Les Claypool's name on it. Tenacious D came out with the <laughs> album and movie called Pick of Destiny. Yeah. Okay. I love me some Jack Black. Nice. They had a song on there called The Metal. It was such a great metal song. That was me. Huh? I sent you a text with that oh, radio okay. station on it. Oh, thank you. Um, but anyway, since 96, Incubus had always been my favorite band and still to this day remains, along with Foo Fighters, one of my top two or three go-to bands. Their style changed from album to album. It was really interesting and strange at the same time. But at the time, uh, Incubus, in either 2006 or 2007, they had come out with a new album called Light Grenades. And the big radio hit 
uh, from was that. that 07? That was 07. Whoa! White <laughs> Grenades. They had a, a song called... But that called, was like last week. They had a song called Anomaly, and it, but it looks like Anna Molly, like two, like a girl's name, Anna yeah, Molly, yeah. but it's Anomaly. Yes. Anyway, their big radio hit uh, was a kind of a laid-back, mellow song called Dig. This one song is worth the album purchase. I love alone. this song so much. And it's, you know, they had... I love Brandon Boyd's voice. It's so mellow and smooth. The guitars are very ethereal. Mike Einziger is just a great, a great uh, guitarist. His ear, Brandon's earrings freak me out. Other than that, yeah. love the guy. I've seen Incubus a handful of times in concert. Still a great band. But each band was a little different. And it got a little mellow. You know, a little style change. And um, anyway, just this was their big hit in 2007. That's when we started the show. So very good. Very good, Bill. He remembered that. <laughs> I, did, I, I have rocked this song till the break of dawn. Oh, yeah. It's great. Oh, yeah. Crank it up. Here comes the chorus. Right here. I love I love the the lyrics in the chorus. Yeah. I'm gonna back up just real quick. Here we go. If I turn into another and dig me up, dig me out from under what is covering me, the better part of me. It's like make me a better man. Yeah. Remind me that we'll always have each other when everything else is gone. It's like he's got that he's got that soulmate and he's counting yeah. on that person to help him to be a better man, the guy that he can be that he might lose. You know, if something ever changes, remind me what I was. I just love that song so much. Yeah, great, great song. Incubus still a huge huge on in my rotation. That's that's the end of my musical genius for the purposes of this show. I've got um, I don't know where to fit this band in because I, I found them in between. Uh, uh, you told a story, uh, or was it you, last episode about how um, uh, some dude says, "Hey, uh, it was Frank telling the Tusk story about how he had this album." which he thought was he had this, this song, which he thought was so great. And he can't wait to show it to his, and have his friends listen to it. They listen to it. And all the friends just go, well, what the hell? Huh? And didn't Frank that, did that, not get the satisfaction he wanted yeah, out of didn't it. Didn't that almost hurt? Well, yeah, it does. It's almost it's just like, it he, becomes personal to you. And yeah. it's just like, how can you not see what I see? Yeah. You got to hear this song. You know, it, when I started playing dig, I thought these guys are going to go, and eh, that's a chintzy pop. But Bill was like, dude, I rocked that. And, and so that was nice hearing you say that. Yeah. Um, uh, the same thing happened to me in reverse. In the, in the 10th grade, I was in driver's ed class back when you could still take that in school as an elective. That's right, kids these days. Did you drive yourself to driver's ed? 
No, I, <laughs> I had a friend that drove himself. No, yeah, I no, had this guy uh, driver's ed was third period in the tenth grade, my first semester oh. at school. That's what I'm saying. You could take it in school. It was awesome. Oh, I was not aware because of that. not only did you get out of a class you didn't otherwise want to take, but you got your driver's stinking license at the same time. It was cool. It was two birds with one stone, is what it was. And I happened to, at the time. This is a complete aside, but I lived my house backed up to the school property, so Sweet. it was great. School starts at 8.30. At 8.25, they ring the five-minute bell. I'd be sitting there in my kitchen looking at the school out my uh, back window, and I hear the bell ring, and I go, it's about time to go to school now. Oh, man, that's sweet. <laughs> it was awesome, man. But anyway, so it's the 10th grade, and I'm in class, and uh, uh, this guy named uh, Brian Berry, and, uh, and it was weird because I've known two or three Brian Berries in my life, three, three Brian Berries in my life that I can think of. Three, sir. And this is, yeah, this is not a... Uh, you know, this is not a Monty Python routine. I'm not going to say four next. It was uh, three, but uh, this guy, Brian Berry, um, he's starting to tell me about how great this band is named Oingo Boingo. And I didn't like bully him. You know, I didn't like Facebook bully him you know, yeah. or anything like that. But it was like, whatever. Sounds stupid. And then like the next year, I think that summer, I discovered Oingo Boingo. And literally to this day, literally, if I, yeah. I'm serious. <laughs> I wish I knew where this cat was. I would apologize to yeah, him. No, I get it. Because I, to this day, I feel like I, I feel weird about it. So anyway, um, uh, this song. So this song. Turn it all around for me. Now, Oingo Boingo, you can hear their music. Um, uh, weird Science? Yes. Yes. Uh, Danny Elfman, who did... Yeah. Well, Danny Elfman's done... Oh, that's right. Danny Elfman's done half the soundtracks that have been released in the last 20 years. I forgot he was part of Lingo Boingo. Yeah. Yes. Danny Elfman was the singer, uh, rhythm guitarist, slash writer. Okay. He pretty much wrote... He was their JK. He pretty much wrote everything. But these first couple of Oingo Boingo albums were very heavy on the syncopation, the weird yeah. downbeats, and the... And his uh, guitars were very heavy in the mix, and, and it was it was a trap kit, not a freaking drum machine. And they, I just this was very different for the time. This makes me so happy. I just it was very different for the time. They literally made their own instruments at times. Yeah. They made their own percussion instruments. So that thing that sounds like a cowbell. Could very well be something they literally constructed. <laughs> I, I don't know. For some reason, I've always kind of had a MythBusters vibe with these guys. It just seems like they're, you know, after thirty years in the business, making their own instruments, and uh, you know, I just this is a great. What a great. It's song. so hard to to do a show like this yeah. and feel like you covered all the bases. Oh, there's no way we didn't come close covering all the bases. No. I'm really glad I got to slip this one in under the uh, under the covers though, because uh, I would have felt bad if people out there in uh, podcast land didn't realize how much I love Oingo Boingo. And um, I, I think a lot of it. Uh, I started listening to these guys. Um, uh, I listened, started listening to these guys. Pretty concurrently with uh, the the stuff that got me through high school, the NXS and and this and that and the Rush, and I started discovering Zeppelin and all that. And I think in general, one of the common threads for me is that almost nothing I listen to is a straight four four beat. ACDC maybe, yeah. But and I'm exaggerating, obviously. But everything I love, Rush, this, 
uh, Jamiroquai. It's it's downbeats. It's weird syncopated rhythms. It's you know they're minor chord changes. They're I, I haven't even gotten okay. I haven't even gotten to Steely Dan yet. All right. <laughs> Don't start on me. I will come over the uh, table at you, sir. Steely Dan All and right. I go way back. We're um, good friends. I uh, Steely Dan is another one of those that uh, that I can never get enough of because they're the most amazing. There's thing some in the great world. stuff. Yeah. Back so then. you know what? There's a lot of good music out there, people. And uh, if you're not careful, you may listen to it. I'm just surprised that people still listen to music. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. What but are they it's still thinking? A thing. I just uh, well, we understand now why it costs you uh, forty five dollars for a T shirt at a concert these days because that's how bands make money. Uh, I mean, in this day and age, uh, I would love to know what the percentage of music that is stolen off the internet is, like uh, of the whole. You know, the I mean, uh, is it ten percent? Is it fifty percent? The um, the shift has really started to happen to where people are just purchasing more music and they're using streaming services yeah. are becoming much more popular that uh while music is still stolen a lot yeah downloaded a lot um the uh, people are making the the music companies no matter how much they gripe and i, I listen to this tech show a lot yeah and they always put out these reports that say you know music sales were they had a record year this year well, yeah and they always downplay that and I, i'd heard that that so they, they can so they can sound like the victim and yeah oh, poor us not, oh, well i don't know how this 20 billion <laughs> um what was the stat I heard? I wonder if you had uh, mentioned this to me or if I heard it independently. But uh, last year, um, they sold more single songs last year than than ever before in any one year in history. And a lot of that has to do with the fact there's more people out there. But the Internet, which which was going to destroy the music industry and came very close to doing that, at least... The music industry, as we grew up with the you know the record company system, where a band would uh, sign and uh, they would kind of get uh, hosed, uh, for lack of a stronger term, uh, because okay, the record company, hey man, we're going to give you a five million dollar advance to make us two more albums or whatever, but it's an advance on future net earnings, you know, future royalties, whatever. So. You get this lump sum of money, and then you're dang near an indentured servant to that record company until your contract is over. I mean, we've had many I, people. I, Prince I, changed his name right. because he couldn't abide by the strictures of the record company he was with at the time. I, I'm very surprised, and I know it's slowly growing, and maybe in 10 years it'll be different, but you just d don't see more people like Radiohead and stuff just put out their own stuff and just come to my website yeah. and download it. That's what Prince and, does now. Yeah. I mean, that, to me, the convenience of something like iTunes or Amazon, that's really nice. Yep. Look for it, find it, download it, easy, one place. Having to hunt your music down, uh, I could see the disadvantage to that, but there's so much more money to be made for the artist on that end when they're the one doing the promoting yeah. and stuff. You know, Prince has started... Um, selling new music piecemeal just he'll write a song record it throw it up on thirdeyegirl.com i pay 88 cents for darn near every new track he throws up there nice because it's 88 cents yeah it's a whole lot more comfortable than 11.99 for an album right you know <laughs> get to it in stages so i think it's just easier to do it that way sometimes i just i i still lament um I still lament the death of the record story. It's still I, I'm amazed 
that you cannot i mean there are used record stores um but honestly tell me uh hey tell me a record store chain that's out there that's still kicking amazon.com brick and mortar i'm talking someplace i can drive to i know but that's you know that's so 80s i mean yeah but you know my, my, you know that that's up there with. Oh, I have to use a typewriter. I can't use hey, a computer. You go to, how you many go to people, good records you know, in Dallas? How many people are like? There's also a CD Universe at the corner of Trinity Mills and uh, Midway, which mm-hmm. is uh, packed. It's a tiny, tiny little store the size of a shoebox. Yeah. There's but it's, also it's I actually bursting live, to the seams with CDs new and used. I live very close to something. I think it's just called Half Price CDs. Okay, and uh, it is uh, much like big sale m- much like CD CDs. Universe, right? Yeah, there is hardly room to walk, and they do yeah. LPs too. That's cool, and, uh, but it's very well organized, very easy to walk in. I mean, it's about as big as this house. That's it's like that big. Oh, okay. Well, the CD Universe, it's is, as big as your kitchen. Is, is probably yeah. It's probably about the size of my living room. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a band box. Fry's Electronics sells new LPs too. Well, yeah, but and reissues. It, it is. It's a small rack. I mean. You know, back in the midnight, that was that was one of those things that, and and you know, again, we haven't begun to scratch the stuff we've actually listened to. There's so much stuff that I used to listen to that people have literally never even heard of. See, I did it. I did it again there for Frank. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's bands like uh, Truman's Water and Drive Like Jehu and uh, um, Ed Hall, and you know, there's a lot of thrashy stuff i i love to listen to uh maple thorpe and the uh edisons uh yes ink cartridge repair people yes. are we just saying random words or are these bands? no names? those are actual band names you son of a check the time don't want to do too long <laughs> uh, light switch above door dark frame what time is it rug <laughs> that's another lamp. band i didn't mention the time lamp back in my black music who how could you let more stay in the time go uh, unmentioned. Well, because well, we had we had a specific time period. We're all going to have that Costanza moment uh, yeah. as soon as this episode is over. Um, I've been having them more Which frequently now, lately. Um, I I hate I hate having the Costanza moment where you realize that um, that five minutes after the event happens, you yeah. go, "Oh, I had the perfect thing to say." Yeah. Jeez. As soon as Frank hits the stop button, we're all all three of us are going to go. One more day, roll it again. So that leaves room for a second show or a third show. A third show, I'm we, down. We've got a few oh, other not, ideas for. We're not done with music, music shows. shows. We may yeah. be done with music shows for the fall, possibly. I don't know. Uh, There's always room for. I could do. I swear. I swear to Jeebus, half of half hour waste episodes could be music episodes, and sure. I'd be happy with it. So, thank you all for indulging us. And the other half could be fancy football. Oh, don't get me started on that. Too late. Here, well, let's get out of here. You've already primed the pump. <laughs> like Zig Ziglar. So to speak. Rollins Band. All right, thanks go. for listening to Roxy our half hour wasted. Radio 4. Uh, be sure to drop us an email at halfhourwasted at gmail.com. Check out all the great shows on our network. Brad, if they want to give us a voicemail. 972-798-3830. And uh, thank you. What's the name of this band? Limp Biscuit. Thank you, Limp Biscuit. See you next time on Half Hour Week. Thank you, Limp Biscuit.